When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And with another Wembley trip next month for the FA Cup final to look forward to, this week we look back on that semi-final victory against Brighton a 2-0 victory at home to Cardiff. We also look forward to a trip to the new Spurs Stadium on Tuesday for the Champions League quarter-final and a Premier League clash with Crystal Palace on Sunday. Now, with the reported 71,000 Brighton fans and just 521 City fans at Wembley, I've managed to find three City fans who actually were at Wembley. Um, All of them have been City fans for just a few years since the money came in. All of them are plastic fans, of course, Uh, And in no particular order, they used to support Liverpool, Nottingham Forest and Blackburn Rovers. Um, So, welcome to all three of you, to uh, Stato Paul Denby. Hi there. To the ever-popular Lisa Rabinovitz. Hello. And a view from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Hello. The Man City Show is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Download the Ladbrokes app and play 1-2-3, a free game where you have to predict three correct Premier League scores. Get all three right and win £100. Get just one right and get a free £2 bet. And two correct for a free £5 bet. Terms and conditions apply. Let's just start, please. I'm going to act as now kind of git journalist um, and saying that City were outnumbered by the Brighton fans. There were 10,000 more there the following day for Wolves against uh, whoever it was they played, Watford. So... uh, City becoming complacent, small club, no fans, can't be asked to travel down to Wembley. What is going on with this great club of ours, Manchester City? I'm playing a role here, I know you understand. Um, and there were only 500, what, 521 of us there, Stephen? Yeah, you're playing a role. Um, unfortunately, others who, who say those comments aren't playing a role and... You know, so we've you know, with clips of kind of BBC Five Live presenters saying it, and and you you have to hope that well, I don't know what you hope, but you, you think they might be saying it to incite City fans, get more to call in, and, and create a debate that people listen to, as opposed to actually believing it because they should be far too knowledgeable and, and aware of of what's going on to actually say those comments in in earnest. Um, the reality is. It's not a City issue. Put City to one side for a minute and we can talk about the reasons why City fans didn't take up the full allocation. Um, But this is a a football issue, not just a City one. And by tribalising everything, by making it club versus club versus look at these fans, they were there versus City, empty seats, it kind of demeans the whole process. And it was only last week when we were at Fulham away and their fans were protesting about the prices of of tickets for the home fans, for Fulham fans, um, who are perceived to be fairly you know, wealthy and can afford um, expensive tickets. They were moaning about, out, about the prices and they were right to do so. It's a trend that we've seen across so many clubs. And you know, to, 
to kind of make it tribal and have a go at City because, you know, that's the lazy option for journalists. It's a cheap point-scoring option for them and, you know, it, it means that their profile rises and they can, you know, talk about the situation. It achieves absolutely nothing and action needs to be taken to stop fans being priced out of the game. Um, so it's a much wider issue than just City fans. We didn't turn up, Lisa, in our numbers. This is a semi. This is an FA Cup semi-final. I remember the days when people were queuing around the block for semi-final tickets. One could argue, if I were that sort of journalist, One which could. I'm not, but I'm just <laughs> trying could, to yeah. get a response from you. But you know, we, did, we didn't turn up in the numbers they did. Let's be honest, there were 10,000 more the following day. Yes, and I, I totally agree with what Stephen was saying. I think the real the thing that's annoying me most about all of this is that people should be using the energy that they are putting into taking the piss out of City fans and coming together to f- say something about the prices, the fact that semi-finals are held at Wembley, which they shouldn't be, and, and things like that that are much the, more... The time of the, the game. The time of the game as well, which is just ridiculous, and no one takes that into account either. Um, I, I, I was listening to Radio 5 on the way back from the match and heard the, the thing that most people have, have seen, lovely Ina calling in, she was brilliant, um, because it had taken... I mean, I hadn't heard the whole conversation, but I did hear some a Liverpool fan calling in talking about how, you know, agreeing with Kirsty saying that, um, you know, it, it was, you know, concerning that the City fans weren't taking up their allocation, they're complacent. Um, and it's just going on about how we're, um, we don't have a proper fan base, we don't have a lot of fans because we've got manufactured wealth. And to be honest with you, I really don't care how many fans we have. If we only have the fans that turned up or were there when we were in the third tier of English football, so be it. It's not about that. I don't understand what... I'm not even sure what the point is. So what? We have the fans we've got. I don't care if we have no more. I, I'm, I don't see... I'm not really sure what the argument is. We have filled Wembley many times when we've been there, many times over the past few years, and that was part of Ina's point. We have been there a lot. And it's not about complacency... It's, but you know, the number of the Brighton fans I've seen posting saying, you know, we outnumbered them and we would never be so blase. I'm like, well, when you've been there 14 times in the past 10 years, I'll look forward to hearing you saying the same thing. They were just as blase about being in the third tier of English football as we were, you know, which we weren't. The point I'm trying to make there is I think we way outnumbered most teams who've been at that level of English football. Stato. I agree with everything that's been said. I'll, I'll play a different angle on this if I can as well. We have not got the fan base of Stretford, Liverpool and certain other teams. That's a fact. We know that and we're not pretending to have such. Therefore, most of our fans, not all, are Manchester-based. When you look at the other teams, they've got a worldwide base that is larger than ours. Can't argue with it. It's a fact. Therefore, when they can't sell to their local fans, the others jump in and take up the extra tickets. We don't have that at the moment, and as Lisa said, I hope we never do have. We have a, a few, as you might call, tourists who will come in. Therefore, the cost of it and everything else that we've just talked about is a problem. The timing of it stinks, the cost of it is expensive. If you're taking a family of three, just a, whoever, it doesn't matter who There's they are. There's a stack coming up here, isn't there? Yeah, but there is. Go on, it, it, go on, give it to it, us. Your on. average cost of those tickets was... Say 60 quid. I mean, there was variable pricing on it. That's £180 just for the tickets. Then you've got to get down there, whether you can buy a train, but as we pointed out, there weren't any trains back except one about 9 o'clock, which is a big risk if there's extra time and penalties. You can't necessarily book into it. And, and therefore, you've either got to 
get a coach down, you've got to drive down, or you've got to have overnight accommodation. One of those things is also going to cost extra money. People cannot afford those prices. And as Lee said, and we're all pointing out, the games should be held. City v Brighton should have been somewhere in the Midlands. And that's the fair solution. Get a ground in the Midlands that is capable of holding a semi-final like they used to do. Villa Park's 40,000. That's the largest at the moment. Is that big enough? Yes, probably. And to, to add one more point to all of that, which is correct, and it, you kind of you feel like you're having to defend City fans by saying, "Oh, tickets were expensive, and there weren't there wasn't public transport back after the game, and you know this, that, and the other." The reality, and you don't want to defend because, as Lisa said, you shouldn't need to. People do what they want. If you want to go to a game, you want to go to a game. Um, City were away at Fulham last weekend, away at Wembley to face Brighton. They're at Spurs on Tuesday in the Champions League. They're at Crystal Palace the week after, the weekend afterwards. That's four games in two weeks. Now, for fans having in London, for for fans as, as Stato said, who are predominantly based in Manchester, you you can't. How how can people expect fans to to take time off work to travel to pay for tickets to pay for for transport potentially accommodation? It, it's totally unrealistic. And some fans will therefore pick and choose games, and a lot of fans, I'm sure, will have thought before that semi-final, we're probably going to get to the final. And if you can maybe only afford one trip to Wembley or to London for, for the FA Cup, you, you're probably going to veer towards the final. So that's another game in London in, in a month's time. It, f- there's, there's an issue at stake that, as I said before, is beyond City fans and is a football issue. And it just demeans everything to focus on the fact that City have a few empty seats. I have to mention it. I'm sure you'd be disappointed if I hadn't asked you that question. So thank you for your honesty, and uh, I agree with everything you've said. <laughs> can we? T- <coughs> Excuse me. Can we talk about the game itself, then, Lisa? Uh, I think one of our colleagues uh, on this show, uh, our good friend Miles Webber, I think said something like, "I won't be buying the DVD," which I think kind of sums it up pretty well for I me. Hope there's it was, no uh, DVD. Yeah, exactly. So it was not a classic. We kind of got the result we wanted. I think the thing I just want to kind of put to you is we. We didn't seem to get out of first gear. In some games, we've talked about not getting out of second gear. I, in a way, I read it as being we've got this important game, which we'll come on to, obviously against Spurs at their new stadium on Tuesday night, quarterfinal of the Champions League. And therefore, we kind of got through the game. Let's not get any injuries. Let's get the result we need. But actually, we didn't really put them to the sword. We didn't play any scintillating football. I mean, the goal was just sensational, which we'll come on to. But as a performance, I thought it was quite disappointing. It was very disappointing, and I'm not. I don't know. I mean, I look afterwards. I kind of I looked at the stats, I looked at the possession stats, and I was actually surprised that they were as high as they were for us. I was expecting them to be lower because it felt like they were lower. Maybe it's just because I'm so used to most teams having about 15% possession against us, and they had 30. So it probably did feel a lot different to what we're seeing recently. But I, I know what you're saying about get, not getting out of first gear, but that would suggest you felt comfortable maybe it's just me and my usual pessimism I didn't feel particularly I didn't, comfortable no I felt that actually we were a set piece or a, a defensive error was, or, a, or a bad decision a, a, I, away from going down back to one all you I, know so that that's my point I think it was so I don't think it was just a case of of like conserving energy and not work not trying to do too much I, I actually think there were some fairly poor performances in there okay. um from from players you would usually rely on to to be the difference like silver and sterling for example who i think were way i mean silver's been reasonably below par for a bit now but sterling was poor by his standards um 
And, and it's, we've said it before, it, it never seems to just be one person. And when, when they announced who the man of the match was, I wasn't at all surprised it was a Brighton player because I couldn't really pick a City player. I was, they'd all been not great. Like, normally, you can say they've all been awful, but at least Laporte was really good. I mean, but he had his oh, moments. So he was... He was Ot- to that point, I think Otamendi was, was probably my pick for man of yeah. the match. Laporte, maybe not far behind. After that, no, he's struggling. Yeah, and so I, I, I don't know. I, it was incredibly disappointing. And as it was getting towards the end of the match, apart from the fact I want my team to win, I was just so desperate for them not to equalise because I could not face another 30 minutes of watching mm-hmm. it. It was, it, it was awful. Stato? It wasn't a good game. And I would say that probably the games before it haven't been brilliant either. Fulham, Cardiff. What I think, I'm not sure, but I would hazard a guess. Pep is saying to them, try and kill them off in the first half. Get it up to 2-0 if you can. 3-0 if possible, but we have 2-0 against Fulham and Cardiff. They're not going to break you down. They might have the odd chance. 1-0 is always dangerous, as Lisa quite rightly said. But we controlled most of the game. They they had the one chance that Laporte cleared off the line. Other than that, they didn't really have much opportunity. Edison made one save late on in the game where it... He caught it on his neck. But other than that, they didn't really create that much. And I know we're one chance away from it being one all. The question then is, do we then need to up our game to make it 2-1? And I know we don't want to do that necessarily, but I honestly believe it was a poor game, but we controlled most but, of it. But, Paul, we have been used to scintillating football. We don't need to. We're conserving and that's what, energy. But this is my question. So yeah. that's why, exactly why I'm asking Pep the question. I telling them to conserve energy. You've got a lot of games coming up now. Tottenham on Tuesday night is going to be a huge match. We're going to be under quite a bit of pressure, I would suggest, from time to time in that game. We'll control most of the game, but Tottenham are a good team, and they will come at us. And I think Pep is telling them, just make sure you don't concede. And we've had so many clean sheets recently, which is reflective of the way we're trying to play the games. And I honestly think that's why you're not seeing the scintillating football. He's saying, take it a little bit easier, kill games off if you can, but just don't concede. Yeah, I I think we did that against Fulham and Cardiff. Got the early goals and, and coasted through, saved energy, managed the game, as you say. I don't think we did that against Brighton. I, I, I just don't think we got going. And the flip side of that, I, Brighton you know, were energetic and, and did well. But Edison, as you said, only made that one save. They didn't really threaten. But at the one goal, you're always a, a set piece or an error away from, from being level. But I don't think we managed the game as we have done previously. I agree. The, the challenge, I think, from, from going and coasting and managing a game to then playing a team like Spurs and having to be at it not just for 10 minutes and get your goal and, and take your foot off the gas, but for 90 minutes, you're going to have to be on it. And they're going to probably press us more than other teams do. And I don't know how easy it is, or it's probably, probably very difficult for the players just to flick that switch and go from coasting to on it mode. And that's what concerns me slightly with this easing off for, for 80 minutes. I, well, I, I tend to agree with Stephen because I thought we lacked quality. We gave the ball away far more than we've done in so many games. And Brighton weren't great. Come on, I don't think we give too much credit to Brighton, can we, surely? Not really. I mean, Mendy was atrocious. The number of times he gave the ball away, you could see that it was rusty, but it was so rusty, it was, he virtually didn't move any passable completely to, well, to Brighton players more than he did to City players, I think. We were, we were very poor. Can we pick up on Mendy? Because obviously it's the first time we've seen him for a while. Um, he was poor. And is that... What's the future here? Let's, just, let's actually use this opportunity to kind of talk about full-backs as well then, can we, Stato? So the whole situation, because Mendy's back, like a new signing for the third season running, as we keep saying, or not. Uh, we've got Sinchenko, who's a, sort of a, a standing full-back, injured. Walker, who should have been sent off, potentially. 
we may want to talk about that as well. Your, your thoughts just about fullbacks generally, and, and Mendy in particular, just sort of start with his performance and where you see him fitting in going forward. I think Mendy has got an awful lot to prove in his next few games, because if he does not prove that he's capable of <coughs> playing to the level that we bought him for and that he started off playing and has shown that he can do at times, then it'll be sold. I can't see how, if he continues in the way he's been uh, showing himself in the games he's played, uh, he'll go. He's got, he's got to improve. He's, what's, what's your view? Is, is, he, is he on his way out, do you think? You the think problem he's... is now is not the time for him to be proving himself. We can't really be giving him a run out and hope for the best. I mean, it's one thing playing against Brighton and he was shocking. I don't fancy playing him against Spurs at all. But Walker, as you well know, does my head in and didn't he did someone else's head in on at the weekend just talk us, talk us about that then Lisa so so we listen all four of us were at the game we've not had I've not had the benefit of necessarily seeing it back so no. I'm not sure certainly from where I was sat I thought as soon as VAR sort oh. of kicked in that it looked to me as though it was kind of a even if he didn't connect it was it was a headbutt me too and why, and why is he not being sent off? You can't do that. Rugby, yeah, you can gouge eyes, stamp on heads, you know, do what you like in, in rugby. And as long as you call the referee sir, you stay on the game. It's not a problem. But not in football. No, I, I felt exactly the same and I haven't seen a, a replay either. But um, he, from where I was, I was convinced as soon as it said VAR, I was like, oh, we're in trouble here. So I was surprised. But I also felt he ha- that um, Guardiola had to take him off. I don't know whether he came off because he was injured or because he'd been booked. Either way, I was glad to see him not come back out. I like to think he had gave him a right roasting Me, when he I, got back. Well, and it was said, just you, you stupid. Not going back it out. was I, stupid. I assume that. He'd got I, him... I may be completely wrong, but that's how I saw yeah, it. Yeah, he got himself clearly wound up very yeah. easily. And yeah. if you're the opposition, what do you tell your players to do? Wind him up again? I mean, Danilo how comes ridiculous. on, gets booked in the I first know, three that minutes. Was un- I mean, gift. that was unfortunate. <laughs> but, um, I mean... At the moment, if I had a choice and every, all our full-backs in inverted commas were fit, I'd be putting Danilo at right-back and Zinchenko at left-back. But He's I'm afraid fit. I don't think that's what's going to happen. He's not fit. So. Uh, Mendy, just to do Mendy yeah, first. Yeah, and then Walker. Um, Mendy was rusty, but that was his first start in five months. And... He's had, what, 20-odd minutes as a sub about two months ago. Of course he's going to be rusty. You can... And part of his problem is, I think, because he's so good on the ball, and he's so confident in his ability, he tries too much, especially when he's defending. So there was one occasion, I think halfway through the first half, he almost tried to nutmeg in our own defensive third, and Pep went spare, and that's what he has to cut out. And he's an attacking left-back, but what he brings as an attacking left-back... We can't replicate from anyone else in the squad. He gives us so much attacking threat down the left. It was his first game, as I said, five months his start, and he was bombing up and down, putting in crosses, getting to the byline. On another day, as we did at the start of the season, we score from one of his assists, and he's suddenly a hero because you know he's not match fit, he's rusty, and yet he's putting his body on the line for the team and getting up and supplying crosses into the box. You can see that the raw, and I think raw is the right word, the raw ingredients are there with him. The attitude is the big question mark. Injuries happen. You know, maybe you can't avoid the, the serious knee knocks. Is he giving his all in training? Is he doing his best to recover as quickly as he can? That seems to be the question mark with him. And that's where Pep, you just see, is a bit more exasperated. The, the story's coming out of him in a club at, at three in the morning. And that's where he doesn't do himself any favours. But I think you'd be reluctant to get rid of him when you know the potential he has. Can I throw one other name that you earlier on mentioned, Lisa, and that's David Silva, who, to be fair, 
to his extremely high standards. And he will go down as a city legend. He's part of that amazing quartet, which if you want to, depending on who you want to include, he's been an absolute legend. But like, you have to say, this has been a poor season. And he had a poor game. And some people are arguing what's happening is, of course, he is actually keeping a young lad out of the side. And actually, a number of people are arguing, and again, I'm playing that role again, of saying, why don't we just say to David, take a bit of a rest. Let's bring the young, fresh legs of the Stockport Iniesta in. Let's give Foden a chance. Let's give him a proper run in the game, because when he's played, he's been fantastic. And he gives us, he gives us a bit more energy. He's a bit more dynamic. He's a bit more direct. Uh, that youthful exuberance that, that David hasn't got anymore. And he's kind of, he's just going over the brow of the hill and he's just, we're just seeing him slowing down, not quite on it. So why don't we, why don't we do that? Um, well, uh, against Cardiff, which was Foden's first start, I thought that it took him a bit of time to get into the game. And uh, to me, that showed me why he isn't starting more games. But... So I'm not entirely sure that if he did give Silver a rest that it would be Foden who would come in in his place. I think he might start with Sané and move Bernardo. Um, so people can... And people would then get upset about that. So people will always be upset about something to do with Foden. Foden will undoubtedly get more chances as the, you know whether it's starting or coming on a substitute and definitely next season. And Pep's pretty much already said that. But David Silver is, for whatever reason at the moment, I think he's slowing us down sometimes. So, and being so get, get inaccurate, fill in. which get is fill in. bizarre. Get Phil in now. But sort I, it out. I, I'm just not 100% sure that Come now on, is the right Come on, Stato, help us out Phil. here. David out, fill in, sort it out. Give us that pace and energy that we're looking for. David's over the hill. David's finished. David, Put him no, out no, to no, grass. That's ridiculous. No, hold on. <laughs> David never gave us speed. What he does is precision passing and can turn very quickly and create different spaces. He never gave us speed. So... Putting Foden in for Silver is, a, is a, using a different type of approach. But David Silver does probably need a break at the moment. He does look for the last, I don't know, I wouldn't say all season. I would say, I'm not sure when, let's say up till Christmas time he was OK. A long time, long enough. Yeah, to, long enough to be concerned that's about my it. Point. Yeah. I'm, concerned, yeah. I'm concerned, Stato. I'm concerned I'm looking well. for a solution. Help me out here. Well, Come the solution on. is take him out for a couple of games or so. Maybe uh, you'd probably play him against Tottenham tomorrow night if he's fit because it's such a big game. But then you could rest him against Crystal Palace and you could, you've got Sane, you've got Mares, you've got Foden. Now, let's not argue who would fill in there because you can move Bernardo Silva around to compensate. And you've got Gundogan and Fernandinho's back now. So you've got plenty of midfield you've players. You've already answered. So who should fill in? Phil, you've said it. No, I've, I've not. I've Get said there's a choice. View from a, view from a blue. Give us a sensible view here, Mr. Blue. Foden in, oh, I'm fine. saying. You've said it about ten times now. Um, so what's the answer? Help us out. Well, the... Foden's not going to come in against Spurs away in the Champions League. He's not going to come in against Crystal Palace in a really tricky league game away. He's not going to play the home game against Spurs. He's not going to play against United. Pep is handling him well. I'm not going to say very well because we all want to see more of him. But you look at the games that Pep puts him in for. There's a reason he plays at home to Cardiff when there's less pressure and there's you know, De Bruyne maybe next to him who wants to see more of the ball. Silva was poor against um, Brighton. So was De Bruyne, apart from one pass that was a brilliant pass for the goal. <laughs> Bernardo had his probably quietest game in a while. As Lee said, Sterling was quiet. You, nobody played particularly well. Silva has had a break because he doesn't play international football, so he had a couple of weeks off. I, we've got players where you can rotate. 
But if you're picking the team for who you want to play in the middle against Spurs in a big pressure environment, I, th- I think you'd probably have David Silva in there. Okay, let's talk about the goal. You mentioned the goal, and I want to talk about the goal because it was absolutely magnificent. It was City at their best, and it had me purring. I thought it was it was just superb. I absolutely, it's just the sort of goal that you dream of, and it was just precision stuff. The ball from Laporte, um, just one touch. Um, back to De Bruyne, and the cross was absolutely pin- and, and and the magnificent Gabriel Jesus, the magnificent it was there on hand, timed it kind of came through a couple of defenders, but still timed it perfectly, and there it was in the back. I've done it for you here. Yeah, Steve. I've got yeah. nothing to nothing say. To nothing say nothing to add. Everything about it was perfect. The pass from Laporte, crossfield, the first touch from Bernardo to kill the pace, De Bruyne one touch out of his feet. Only he can put in a cross at that pace for us. And Jesus was was there to head it in. It was it was encapsulated almost the other way we play. Everyone thinks it's patient build up and neat, pretty passes and try and find the gap in the opposition. This was a ball playing centre back, pinging it eighty yards across the pitch, and it just it changes the game. It opens everything up for us. Phenomenal. We, we've done the goal. So so let's talk about Jesus, who's a bit of a marmite player, isn't he? You've got those that are. Let's be honest. There's quite a few, few, few Jesus haters out there. I would say the sort of the, the, the sort of some of the criticism he's had to try and fill Aguero's boots well, when he comes in. Exactly. So, but those that are still saying, "Listen, he's a young lad. How can he possibly fill Sergio's boots? So young. Give him a chance." So, so you presume you're sitting on the, the love side still with, uh, with, with Gabriel? Love is a bit over the top, but I have no problem with him at all. Like, I, I just think first, don't try and compare him with Aguero. They're not the same type of player, and he's never going to be. And like, we're never going to replace Aguero. Let's all just come to terms with that. Not like for like, anyway. Um, and But he's not playing as frequently as Aguero is. And for someone who isn't playing as frequently as Aguero is, I think he does a pretty good job when he does play. And yes, he misses chances. A lot of players miss chances. I think people... People just want, I mean, and people will tell me I'm like that against about Mendy and Walker, but people have their, but, but I'm not quite so aggressively against them as some people are against Jesus. And are, I why, think it's why, weird. Why, why are people so against him? We've sort of seen it on social media and a lot of, a lot of negative comments about Gabriel Jesus. A, y- a young lad. I think the issue is everybody compares him to Aguero. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And Aguero is a world-class and world-class finisher, has been a world-class player for a number of years. Jesus is a young lad. And I don't think, even with the best one in the world, I don't think he is the same as Aguero. But the work he does off the ball, pulling the defence wide and creating space for other people, I don't think some the people who watch the game acknowledge what he actually does. And he does create a lot of space for other people. Saturday wasn't a great example of that, but take the game against Cardiff. Yes, he missed a chance, but the way he laid the ball back for Sane as well to score, that was brilliant play, the way he just chested that ball back down to him. And he does that regularly. And his skill level, I would suggest, is higher than Aguero's. He can do things with the ball, he can go out wide, and he can, he can beat players as well. Aguero relies on timing, instinct, and a lot of other things that I think Jesus has got a different style to his play. So I will never directly compare the two. And what you might not get out of Jesus is 20 goals a season, five seasons on the run or whatever it is for Aguero, that Aguero has got. But you've got other players within the team who can step up and score goals. You've got your Sterlings, you've got your De Bruyne, hopefully you've got your Sanes and your Mares will step up next season as well. So that's what you should be doing. You can't rely on just your Aguero to score you the 20 goals a season. 
All right, tell you what, should we take a quick break? And we'll be back just after this. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome back. Before we look forward to the Spurs game in the Champions League quarterfinal, first leg, and the Palace game at the weekend at the odd time of 2.05, 14.05 hours. Thank you, television. Uh, we, uh, let's just look back very briefly to the Cardiff game. We've touched on it before. Uh, I think probably the highlight for me was, was De Bruyne's first goal. I mean, it, I think he said afterwards in the interview, actually, that it, was, it actually was a, he wasn't trying to shoot. It was a cross. Or, Too it was honest. A bit, it was a bit of a hard cross. I, I, having said that... It would have ended up in row, row F, at least, I would have thought. Anyway, it was a cracking goal and uh, gave us the start we needed and uh, off we went and we've kind of 2-0. We've kind of talked about it already. But anything, anything you want to pick out of that before we move on, Paul, particularly? Not really. I think 2-0, we killed the game, sat on it and didn't do too much else. And Cardiff had, I think, only one potential attack late on in the game, which uh, Edison did very well to say when he rushed out and, uh, and killed it. And that was it. It was a very easy performance. And you can see why they're candidates to go down as well, can't you? I think they're a poor side as well. Yeah, I, I I, that's why I find it... I know that we've already said before that, we th- that there's a feeling that maybe we're trying to conserve energy, but I think goal difference could still be important and it was a bit disappointing for me that we didn't do a bit more to get more goals. All right, listen, let's, let's look forward then to, to, to Spurs. Um, Stephen, you and I going, these two plastic fans over here who support Blackburn Rovers and Liverpool couldn't, couldn't be asked um, so, so we're going uh, your, your thoughts on the stadium first actually because there's been a lot of talk about that uh, we've seen lots on the news and social media and, any reflections on, on what they've managed to do sort of over budget and late and all apart from all that stuff what are your thoughts it, look, it looks very nice everyone says it's very nice everyone praises it well um, it, as it, it should it should look it should look that good, given the the amount of money on that's been spent on it, and and the way modern stadia are built these days. They're all kind of quite slick and, and fancy, and, and a, a nice experience to go to. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what it's like. I'm sure the atmosphere will be good. It's not going to be um, a defining factor in the game, I don't think. In, in the same way that maybe the Anfield European nights are built up to be this incredible boost to the team. I'm sure it will be lively at Spurs on Tuesday, but you know, we're, we're used to that. Our players are, are very experienced. They're not going to be put off by, by a few singing Spurs fans. And are we in the cock end or are they in the cock end? You know how it works? Who knows? I, I, do, I do like that. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about selection then and sort of what you think Pep's going to do. You touched on it earlier. Uh, strongest 11 available or some tactical changes? What are your thoughts? I think there might be a tactical tweak at left back um, he's played Laporte at left back a couple of times in, in European fixtures um, and I think against Spurs who like to play with wing backs and, and get them kind of get the pitch quite wide and, and get them up the pitch I don't think Laporte at left back would be the worst option, you know he can do it and he, he'll provide cover for, for crosses coming in the other side and he's probably a, a safer defensive bet than Mendy he won't give us anything going forward. Um, but if he plays, then you probably have Stones and Otamendi as well. Walker, if he's fit, I'm sure will play. Um, the rest of the... I think the front six largely picks itself. Pep does like a, a surprise and a maverick selection from, from time to time. But I'd be 
Um, I'd be fairly astonished if it was anyone other than Fernandinho, De Bruyne, Silva, Sterling, Bernardo, Aguero. Depending on Aguero's fitness, obviously. But if, if they're all fit, I think those, those six play. So why did he play Mendy? Just help me understand. So why did he play Mendy? It wasn't to get him sort of a few minutes under his belt with a view of playing him in that fixture? He, he may well play him. He may well play him. I wouldn't be surprised if Laporte was there, but Mendy gives you an option of maybe pushing Trippier or Aurier back down the right and, mm. and releasing pressure that side. We'll, we'll see. So front six, I think we probably all agree, is... And maybe not. You might have a different view on that. You've got a different view, have you, Stato? So uh, I think he might play Gundogan. Um, as, as opposed to, I'm not sure whether he takes De Bruyne on the bench. Uh, Fernandinho will play because he looked good when he came on at the weekend, and he's he, he obviously a top, top, still one of our top players. Aguero will play if he's fit rather than Jesus. Sterling will almost certainly play, and therefore it's Gundogan or De Bruyne for me. I'm not sure he's. De Bruyne is a great player, clearly, but he's not 100% still. And he's, he's admitted to himself, he says he'll take a little bit of time to get back and you probably will not see the best of him this season. Uh, I, still, I still think he'll play the two silvers. Uh, so that's the only other minor. Anything to add, Lisa, in terms of your thoughts? I know, I know you're not going to the game, obviously. because so I don't uh, care. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm not, exactly. that, I don't care. not that bothered. You don't have to no. defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm saying I don't care. Um, I, I don't know. My the thing I'll be looking out for most is who's at left back. Yeah. Um, I mean, who, I, who, would you, who would you play? Who would, who would you put there? I don't know. I would. Con- I don't. It, he's, he doesn't look great at left back, but it's still be- probably better than Mendy at the moment. I'd probably, if Walker's fit, then maybe he'd put Danilo there. It's but, another option, isn't it? Yeah. A- I mean, if but then if Walker's not, then he's going to be at right back. So it's. And your thoughts about the game itself. itself and tactics? Is it one of these where actually a draw will be good, or are we going out there to to to, to really? press on and play our attacking game I mean sorry we could sit back and as Stephen said you know we could play that defensive game we did at Liverpool if you remember and we came away with a result so, so what, what, what are your thoughts I mean there's lots of different ways we could do this I wouldn't be disappointed if we came away with a like a two all or something I, we need to I, I, a nil nil is useless to us I think we need to score away from home but but you'd be happy with a yeah, draw uh, with a scoring draw yes scoring draw so you're never happy with a scoring draw I think we should go. We will go out there and try and try and beat them. Right, we'll I don't go. think we'll sit back at all, and we'll try and score one or two goals. I'll be happy with a score draw, but I, I, like I'm sure all of us would be very even happier with a win. So I'd like to think we're going there and we'll win two one. Stephen, yeah, I'd probably. We're not going to change the way we play. We've we've got our style. Um, I, th- I think there'll be goals. Two good attacking teams, better at going forward than defending. Um, yeah, a score draw wouldn't be wouldn't be a terrible result. A loss, five nil loss, would be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but you'd, you'd get decent money on, on us to come back in the second leg. I wonder what Ladbrokes would do on that. Download the app and find out. Amazing. See, you heard it here first. Uh, so let's have some predictions. I know you love doing this. So a, a, a clear prediction for you then, Stato. Spurs, Champions League, quarterfinal, first leg, at the new ground. Prediction is... If you were listening a few moments ago, I said 2-1 City. You're going 2-1 City. I wasn't listening. I was trying to think of my next question. 2-1 City. Lisa? I think we'll lose. Oh, Lisa. I think, I think Lisa, bloody consistent you are. <laughs> 2-1 Spurs. 2-1 Spurs. 2-1 City. OK, 3-1 City, I'm going. Uh, fine. Let's talk about Palace then, finally. So I'll try and listen to your answer this time, Stato. Is this just a question on the score? 
No, just thought, thoughts on the game. I suppose a lot will depend pa- on what Palace happens. Palace are one of those strange teams. They're very, they, they can play very, very well in certain games and absolutely shit in other games. So it depends which Palace turn up. Obviously, they turned us over at the Etihad. For, I still can't get my head around that one, even months later. Um, but if we play our game again, we, we're capable of... We should beat Palace, and it should be, again, I would like to think it'll be a, a 2-0, similar to the ones we've said. 2-0, Nigel, I've just said it. I'm, listening. I'm, listening. But, I'm, I'm really and, focusing now. And, and effectively kill the game off, and then we can take it easy, ready for the Spurs The thought, leg. Lisa, that Palace could do the double over the mighty Manchester City, that, that'll motivate them, I would have thought, won't I'm it? I'm sure it will. Um, look, I, you know my, my view on all of this now. Every pretty much every game is, is a cup final. We didn't seem to think a semi-final was worth bothering with, but we, we just we can't. We, we just have to... I, I suppose if we did what we did against Cardiff, then fine. I mean, I'm not going to complain too much, but I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up just about getting a 1-0. Scraping a 1-0. Yeah. Could be a banana skin, this, couldn't it, Stephen, away at Palace? They're not easy, are they, there? No, we've, we've had issues there in the past. Um, yeah, they're a bit hit and miss. 2-0. All right. Um, I'm just going to mention it because I think every week now I have to do this while it's still on. The quadruple stato is still on. Yeah, ridiculous odds. I looked them up before. The, the, the odds are just so short to get the, quad, the quadruple. It's now three more trophies. It's, uh, I, I don't get it. It's still so very difficult. What are, so what are the odds? Sorry, uh, just... When I looked them up, there were I think there were seven to two, something like that. So it's three and a half to one. It's... <laughs> FA Cup, you can understand. Yeah, FA Premier Cup. League, you can understand whether we win it or not. We're yeah, obviously going to be Champions close. League. Champions League. I don't know how people have us down as favourites. No. Are people not aware well, that Barcelona are quite good at football? Well, I think they're saying they're saying to be fair, it's kind of the worst Barcelona side in many seasons. But there's Juve it's as not well. The, it's not the Barcelona but of years ago. The issue is these are the British bookmakers. People in UK would tend to back the English teams more than back the foreign teams. If they would have, the, I don't know if they do have a similar type of um, methodology in Spain and Italy. I'm sure we would not be the favourites in um, in Barcelona or in Turin. Sure. But I ask, I ask my guests this every week, and I'm sure I've asked you. I'm going to ask you again. Quadruple, yes or no, Stato? No. Lisa? No. Stephen? No. <sighs> Can I just say one I mean, thing? That's, I want it, but Eight, I don't yeah, think we'll I get think, it. I think we all want I it. I think we'll get the English treble. And that's no, the domestic treble, because yeah. it's never been done. Yeah. I hope you're right, Stato. It's been a joy and a pleasure, as always. Next time, I must try and listen to his answers. Thank you very much to my three guests, all of whom were at Wembley uh, for the semi-final, and all of whom will be at the final as well. So huge thanks to my good friend Stato, uh, to the lovely Lisa Rabinowitz, and the magnificent Stephen Allwise. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.